Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio, and today I am joined by uh, my father-in-law, Dr. Tom Lambshed, Pastor Tom Lambshed, T, and what, like 35 other titles? I've got more titles than you can shake a stick at. <laughs> walk, actually, yeah, could you walk me through all your titles? Like, No. <laughs> <laughs> no. My, my favorite is husband, or dad, <laughs> step, well not, I mean, it father-in-law to you yeah and uh, those are my favorite ones but pastor is another like career favorite yeah i've yeah. got uh, other titles but that's a sort of career favorite to me fair enough but uh, hey it's not about titles is it it's about no. what we can do and how we serve the lord the best uh, with how he's wired us exactly and i i was just curious because as i was sitting down thinking i'm like he does have so many titles, but I can't remember what even half of them are. Yeah, well, I can't either, so we're, we're in the same boat. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And I'm uh, thank you so much for uh, doing this today. I'm so excited that you're you're with us. You were my, my first interview ah. back when I did the, the blog, and I started the chat with Siri, so you are my... Oh, yeah, actually, you're my second repeat, because Steve came back on, but we did right. one about comics. So you're my first repeat where we're looking at stuff from the faith-based perspective. Great. So thank you for joining us. Um, it's been a while since we've last been able to do this chat, because it was back in, well, 2016, but yes. April. Yes. And a lot has uh, a lot has gone on with you since that. So what what's kind of happened? Well, I mean, a lot of things. On a, on a family note, we added another member to our family. I mean, that's our greatest joy, right? Yeah. Uh, in life is just to see, you know, a family grow and care for each other and meet together and love each other. I mean, on a career side, I've changed my job completely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> from last time. And, um, oh, yeah, and done some more international traveling and consultations yeah. as well. So, uh, yeah, life has sort of been... Uh, good and uh changing yeah it's been very go 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 for you recently i know when we were looking at doing this we started talking about this what like at the end of september early october and this was the first date we could do it yeah it is a busy life and it's just a uniquely busy season yeah for me and yeah you can't fit it all in but you try your best right um so what have like what have some of those changes been you were you were with Pioneers, and then... Yeah, I mean, most recently I was a director of professional development, and it's Pioneers International, which is a international faith-based NGO, is, yeah. is how to call that, and so did that for uh, a number of years, and uh, that gave me some um, uh, international exposure, mm -hmm. um, and so... Um, but, uh, but I've since uh, left uh, Pioneers, do a lot of the same thing, actually within that organization too, uh, and uh, have uh, moved into my own consulting business, coaching business, doing the same kind of professional development, same kind of consulting, and um, but also have added to that uh, some help with our denomination, the Associated Gospel Churches, and uh, that's one of those titles, Regional Director for uh, the oh. AGC. Oh, we're going to touch on that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> but I also uh, one of my other, you know, happinesses is uh, helping out at a local church and mm -hmm. being a, a sort of an interim teaching pastor. So, you know, I'm juggling several things. Yeah. Um, and that's what uh, 
episode, it keeps me busy. Uh, definitely, definitely. Plus, being a like handyman extraordinaire, <laughs> doing yeah. stuff around the your house and then helping out here at yeah, ours. <laughs> yeah. Well, my uh, son-in-law bought a house, so uh, so <laughs> I try to help. <laughs> it it is greatly appreciated, and I know your daughter appreciates okay, it as good, well. Good. Um. You kind of alluded to this. You've had the opportunity to teach at some conferences and seminaries, both local in Canada and international. Yes. Uh, how has that been, and can you walk us through that? Um, yeah, I am. Um, it's just the Lord's goodness to me to allow me to have a bit of a, a broader reach than just simply within Canada. Um, but um, so this year, you know, for instance, I was. Uh, in uh, Krakow, Poland, um, to do a um, well, it's a, a it's a leadership development amongst thirteen area leaders of Europe, and uh, try to develop their team and help them to understand how they work together, how they could work together better, and how to do strategic planning. And they allowed me to watch them do the planning and evaluate how that team is functioning and. And, you know, that, I mean, it was a joy to see how that team was learning each other, learning how to better function, and then to actually see them do it, like live, um, as they did some strategic planning. And so that, it was truly a sense of the Lord's uh, pleasure to see them actually implementing the training and the assessments that I was able to do for them. So, I mean, that was earlier this year, just recently, like two weeks ago, I was... uh, over in uh, Hungary, mm-hmm. and uh, that was with the Leadership Development Conference, 23 nominated potential leaders or leaders uh, for, uh, and the East, for the European uh, continent, and just um, uh, helping them with some of the things that they need to learn to, to grow in their competencies, both uh, in terms of leadership, but also in understanding multiculturalism understand or standing mentoring and those kinds of things so so yeah that's uh really kind of recent uh you know endeavors uh in terms of international travel awesome awesome and then just to spur this question on you but it's uh one i try to ask whenever someone's been granted a unique perspective like you're getting to see how how the church operates over in other parts of the world in comparison to in yes. comparison to Canada. Yes. So what's a strength or how do you see the church being different there than here, would you say? Well, I mean, there's a lot of differences, not the least of which is we're so resourced in North America and in other parts of the world that is either pre or post Christian mm-hmm. um, or not Christian at all, for that matter. Um, they just just so few resources. Uh, in their own language, and uh, and oftentimes so few Christians that even the strength of Christian community is at a loss, and mm-hmm. so um, so we are uh, highly blessed on both of those here mm-hmm. uh, in uh, in the Western world at least, where we have all the resources you can imagine, and uh, and all the people if we were to find them that could support us in our Christian walk and life. So that's a very very big thing that um that they're missing there um and so i i uh, yeah i'm, I'm always a, a bit saddened when you see some of these churches and realize they just aren't resourced uh the way that we are so that's 
that's only one of the areas. I, I think one of the advantages that some of these um, uh, non-Western types of places, and most of my ministry has been in the West. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in some of these non-Western places, um, is there's a real those who are Christians, those churches that do exist. They are truly authentic, almost first-century New Testament churches. They have so little other than themselves, and some of the some of the places don't even have a full copy of the Bible, for that matter. And so, uh, so they really have to be New Testament kind of churches where they are relying on each other for uh, everything, for uh, for truth and for friendship, uh, sometimes even for food and for support and protection. So. Um, those are some of the uh, some of the things I've seen in the non-Western sorts of places where we've been, and Karen and I have had the joy of living in Thailand for a period of time and visiting a lot of other non-Western sorts of places. And so that's a little bit of my view of what church is like around the world. Awesome! Thank you for sharing that. Just, mm-hmm. I know I I don't have that opportunity. Yeah, I, Lord willing, I might someday, but. At the moment, wherever I've been, it's always been in the yes. West, in Canada, or in Great Britain, where it's still... Yes, well, it's a Western yeah. society, yes. Yeah, so it's I, I love hearing about those things. Uh, so, you've recently taken on a higher role within the AGC, which you just, uh, you just mentioned. Um, could you again say what your role is, and what does that look like? Um, well, I mean, the role is technically called AGC East Regional Director. So uh, there's East and there's West and there's Quebec and there's Maritimes. And so the East is basically anything east of uh, Manitoba. Okay. Um, and um, except for the Quebec uh, region or Francophone region, we should call it. Um, and so just that... Um, is an interim basis because the uh, there is a full-time role for that but it needs to be voted on at the conference which is June the 1st and uh, so uh, and I'm because of my other responsibilities not able to take that role on a full-time basis yeah but they did ask how many days a month might I be able to uh, apply to that and I said well let's say 10 days a month so for 10 days a month I'm serving the uh, Associated Gospel Churches as a regional director for uh, Canada East. And so uh, that involves a whole lot of things, a lot of which I, I'm not even yet aware of since <laughs> I've only just sort of started the beginning of September. But um, there's there's a lot of care features in it, you know, caring for our leaders. But for the most part, I'm really only doing that which is somewhat regarded regarding a development of some sort. So the leadership... Uh, development, uh, training of some of our uh, men and our women, um, being involved in uh, some new structural changes that we're making in order to, to gain better op- opportunities for uh, objectives and, and goals and, and pr- production, I guess you might call it. So, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's pretty broad, helping churches with their search teams, helping churches understand who they're looking for and why, mm-hmm. how they're led, how they could be led. Um, and so it's all leadership sort of related at the moment. The fuller, the big job, full-time, probably involves more care and more travel within yeah. the, the uh, Ontario. Yeah. But uh, for the moment, I'm, uh, that's what I'm doing. 
And some of that is similar to stuff you've done, stuff you did at Calvary, stuff you're doing with Grindstone. Well, and this is it, and that's part of the reason why it's it's a joy for me yeah because it's what i do it's what i'm trained for it's my experience my education is there um but it's it's that's why they asked me because i'm doing that in other spheres of my life as well so it just made a bunch of, bunch of sense you know yeah exactly and then this is something i've realized more so since i moved out to to hamilton right uh what can you tell us about the agc because we're not really that well known. I mean, in Toronto, there was a lot more AGC churches. So I guess with that, when people ask, they'd be like, okay, it's happening less. But I've noticed specifically out here and at points in particular when uh, St. Clair was doing an information sure. session and someone's like, what is the AGC? And I'm like, we're the non-denomination denomination. That's yeah. like the, the joke catchphrase for us. So yeah, what what can you tell us? What can you tell the listener? Well, I mean, yeah, the AGC is more defined by what it's not than what it is, right? Yeah. So that's what you're alluding to. Um, it's not true. We have actual strong distinctives. But the, the truth of the matter is there is no clear picture of what the AGC <laughs> is. So what is the AGC? There, there isn't a clear picture. Mm-hmm. And there's a specific reason and, and uh, a verified reason why that's true. The, the thing that's true about the AGC is a conservative doctrinal statement. Okay, and that's just that's the rallying point. But in terms of philosophy of ministry, there isn't a coordinating philosophy of ministry, yeah. and there's a there's a desire not to have, so that each of the churches can determine how they feel God is leading them in the community in which they live. Which is right? awesome. Right. So the, that is an intentional strategy of our denomination to. Uh, to not just give autonomy to our churches, but to expect them to find their own philosophy of ministry that works. So you can't go to another agency church and have it look the same. It's not like mainline churches or others mm-hmm. that have a, a really strong similarity to each other and can be defined by what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the AGC can't not be defined by what it is because we've ch- chosen to be uh, to be quite different in the way we do ministry, although the rallying point is is a conservative theological stance, and so that's why there's no clear picture. That's why it's hard to answer the question. Yeah. So you'll go to one church, and um, it'll have a, a very very traditional philosophy of ministry, the mm-hmm. style of worship, the style of ministry, the structures of ministry will look very much like a traditional kind of a church. And then you'll go to others where there's that's just not even close to the truth. They have a very liberated philosophy of ministry because of the people they're choosing to serve in the community God has placed them. And so that's why there's no clear picture. And so we actually kind of take pride in the fact that you can't define us. Yeah. Because if you could put us in a box by definition, then that's maybe not a good thing. Yeah. Where it's... and. Listener, I'm not picking on Baptists. I, I, I like Baptists. But at points when people are like, well, are you like Baptists? Anybody know anybody who knows more, you're like, well, which one of the 37 <laughs> sub-branches of baptism are, Baptists are you equating us with? But you can't do that. No, and we, and we love these other denominations. Oh, like absolutely. And, and the Alliance and the Pentecostal. I mean, we just absolutely, uh, we just absolutely love uh, what God is doing broadly in, in denominations. Uh, so, yeah, but 
it's hard then for us to be compared to mm-hmm. any of them. Yeah. And uh, and that's okay. Sometimes it's frustrating for people in the church when they ask the question, well, what's the AGC? And we can't actually paint the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we actually take pride in the fact that there is no picture to be painted. And we really do rely on the Holy Spirit leading the individual church leaders to be what they need to be to the people that they've been called to serve for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the kingdom. And so uh, we're, uh, yeah, we're just, we're not like anybody else and we're like everybody else, you know, so. (laughs) Which is a great way to sum it up. Thank you for, thank you for doing that. Just, it's an interesting conversation I've had more and more. I was talking with someone about it at work and they were like, what church do you go to? Because they're looking for a new church. And I mentioned St. Clair and they're like, oh, what's the denomination? I'm like, (laughs) yeah. And then well, I'm like, it's the AGC, and then I'm like, how do I describe this? <laughs> technically, it's not a denomination. Yeah. It's an association. I yeah. mean, that's a technicality, but technically, we are just an association. Um, we do not have a top-down structure, even mm-hmm. if we do have a headquarter with regional director and president and such. But um, the, uh, the AGC also functions in Haiti, Kenya, and India. So there's AGCs around the world as well. Oh, I didn't and know so that. And so they function more denominationally because the culture in which they they live uh, you know values that mm-hmm. and so there's probably there's um well there's in excess of 4000 AGC churches outside of Canada um so it's it's bigger than than the canadian people understand it to be wow see that and i've looked online that i didn't know i i knew we had some down in down in the states but i didn't know it was that worldwide yeah no it's i mean it's not worldwide but uh but we have these uh, networks in other parts of the world that are using our uh, denomination mm. for uh, help and insight and support and so um so yeah awesome thank you uh just because and listeners i'll post the a link to the original interview uh, from back in April 2016 under this post and it'll be on the 2099 Cross Street site uh, but just for people who don't know you and haven't had the chance to click that link yet yes. uh, just to jump back to some of those questions I've had the benefit of knowing you for years like yeah. you became the you became the pastor of Calvary in 2000 January 2003 January there 1 yeah so in 2003, yeah, I've known you since I was like 13, 14. Right. Uh, and then grown, of course, to know you as an employee. And then... <laughs> and then as my daughter's husband. Yes. As... Well, I was going to be like, as the boyfriend first. <laughs> yeah. Then... Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I've had the benefit of knowing you and you knowing me through all those weird phases with the Afro. And yes, yes, yes. Chris yes. as the teen, the, the weird and the, guy. The all black wearing heavy metal listening guy. They used to visit my house, and I wa- had conversations about your listening choices. Yep, yep. Good times, though. <laughs> yes, they were. They were. And you were a growing man. Oh, they yeah. They really were. Um, but I've had the benefit of knowing you. Not everybody has. Yes. So could you share a bit about your testimony? I mean, I sometimes tell people that I was born a Christian, which is not theologically accurate by any means. <laughs> but uh, the, the, the truth is I was raised in a very authentic Christian home, mm-hmm. uh, one that um, yeah, not everybody's had the privilege of being a part of. And uh, so my, my home was just genuinely Christian, uh, loved uh, the Lord, loved laughter, uh, loved authenticity, uh, chose to be 
um, real, even if it didn't follow the trend that everybody else was at the mm -hmm. time, chose to uh, try to break out of its legalism where it made sense uh, to do so. And uh, so I sort of grew up in that sort of environment. And I was the youngest of three boys. And so my parents sort of had to cut their teeth on two older boys before coming <laughs> to me. And so I had the benefit of, of their growth as parents and as Christians. And uh, so, so in that context, it's fairly easy then to see the beauty of Christianity and of Christ and, and to want that. And um, I'm not sure how, how purposefully interested I was in Christ until I was, you know, towards uh, high school. But, uh, but I would say I'd made a profession of faith when I was five years old. Um, you know, whatever that means, whatever I thought that to mean. Yeah. You don't really have a pretty, you don't have a clear theology when you're five years old. But you do understand some things. And uh, so I came to understand Christ, uh, that I needed to receive him as Savior, and I did that. Um, it was in high school that I was sort of thrown into leadership roles that I didn't really think that I had earned, deserved, or wanted. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, earlier, much earlier than I thought I would have taken leadership roles. And we had a youth group and there was an excess of 100 people, 100 youth in it at the time. Wow. So it was a, it was a larger church, obviously, and a larger ministry. And I was sort of the lay leader of that, uh, in, like in grade 10 or 11, um, under some very, very important sponsors, uh, three couples, actually. And... Um, I don't know, they must have seen something in me that made it valuable for them to ask. Um, but uh, not that I wanted that or saw that in myself. I just went along with it. But so, so throughout the high school, then I had a lot of leadership sort of stuff thrown on me. Um, and I just went with it because I was asked to. Uh, you know, and I'm, not, I'm not a fighter by nature. So if somebody asks, I'm going to say yes. And, and I'm not risk averse by nature. So, uh, so I just, you know, I just, okay, well, I'll do it. Right. And so I, uh, you're laughing cause you've seen that in me. Well, I'm also laughing cause you just dropped risk averse. And I'm like, there's one of your, your doctorate words. Or... Yeah. Okay, yes. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, what the heck? Yeah. There we go. Well, I'll throw them in from time to time to keep you awake here. Like um, hobby horse. Hobby horse. That's another one of my idiom. Yeah. Idioms. Anyways, I, um, yeah, I, uh, was uh, doing this work and uh, ministry in the church in particular, just, you know, just as a high school kid. So it seemed to make sense after high school graduated uh, that I would go to um, Bible college. Why not? Mm -hmm. Seemed the thing to do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say God led me in so many terms, but God led me, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So I didn't have any clear calling clear obvious reason to go but why not so I did and it was there that I sort of began to develop an interest in church and a church uh, in Toronto asked if I would intern with them which lasted a couple of years and um, while I was at school so the interesting thing was I didn't invest as much at the school as I did in a church mm -hmm. um, and so um, yeah and so that sort of cut my teeth in, in real ministry while I was uh, learning and then so that's a, a bit of my background right up until sort of college days. Yeah. And then just because as you were talking, I was thinking this, I, I think particular shout out to your parents. Because yes. as you were saying about yes. how they raised you in your home, 
I was realizing all three of y'all, you, John, and Rob, yes. are involved in ministry to yes. varying degrees yes. and have been for years. Yes. And then all of y'all's kids yes. have gone on to be involved yes. in ministry to varying degrees. Yes. So just that staple of a home and then how it goes generationally. Yeah, well, there is something interesting. There is no guarantee. No, there right? isn't. There is no guarantee. And none of us, and I in particular, would not claim that that result is because of what we did. No, no, no. That's... Because you can't do that. It's God that does it. it. Is. He's the sovereign one. And good people do good things and children choose to go their own way. But by the grace of God, you're right. Your observation is is right that if if there's an authenticity about your life with Christ then it becomes real to the next generation and they recognize for themselves this is real and then they receive christ and they want to walk and follow and and uh, quite frankly there's a bunch of people and probably my dad to this day who's 94 you know they just praise every day mm -hmm. you know hours just uh, asking the lord to provide christian homes for all of his extended family and so i'm sure that the lord is just honoring that today yeah right that authenticity today yeah man your dad's awesome <laughs> well he is an awesome man oh yes. yeah um you kind of touched on this during your uh during sharing of your testimony you've had many many roles over your uh your vocational career and you've served all over the place and to me it's interesting just i'm not sure how many people realize yeah. just how much a person in especially pastoral ministry right. does kind of bounce around like a lot of it might be Ontario but could you walk us through some of that because you've you've done some moving around with your roles and you said you were in Toronto for that first bit which is actually new information to me so I was like oh snap there was Toronto and then back out and then um no oh no okay no I mean I was uh, you know I was born and raised in Burlington and yeah. spent most of our lives there although my mom was from Toronto okay so that could be part of the reference there no I mean I'm I'm a bit entrepreneurial okay yeah so I'm very interested in the creating of new things and the developing of things and then um, stabilizing of things and once they're at that point I feel like oftentimes somebody better than me can come along and sort of put teeth through it and mm -hmm. so I'm somewhat of a uh, entrepreneurial type of person and so that explains a little bit about the the variety the diversity of the things that i've yeah chosen uh, to do over the years and so i mean it being i it started off operating heavy trucks with cranes on the back of it and when i was putting myself through college and you know it so that was uh, interesting you know manual work and I've, I've done a fair bit of manual work the earlier years but then I you know I was 10 years as an associate pastor in a large uh, ministry and um, then uh, also in in the middle of the 10 years for five years started a, a business started uh, built and sold a graphic design business so so that's just just raw uh, business you know entrepreneurial work and then and then I uh, have done uh, you know five years as a lead pastor in a small town just a really small town multi multi staff church mm -hmm. so but a small town which is really outside of my background but an interesting diversion mm -hmm. for us all and then as you'd said into into toronto into an inner city uh, work 
um, you know, for, for 10 years, just yeah. over for 10 years there. And then, yeah, you know, four years as a, um, a director of professional development for an international uh, faith-based NGO. And part of that was living in Thailand for six months. And, um, you know, also uh, we lived for a short period of time in Chicago while I was doing training. So we've, we've sort of been all around. You know, right now I'm, I'm balancing those three things, a consulting business, the role with the denomination, and helping out at a local church uh, yeah. as a teaching pastor and leading pastor. Yeah. You're... So, I mean, yeah, all, you put all that together, there's a lot of variety and diversity in there, but yeah, um, much of it is because I am a, a sort of a builder, a yeah. refiner uh, sort of guy, and then, and then I feel like I need to leave that to somebody else. Yeah. And the point you're you're very much a guy who needs something to do. Oh, I very much am. Yeah, I I need stimulation. I'm, yeah, I'm, my mind just I just yeah I'm going all the time. Yeah, retirement's going to be interesting. I'm not sure if you'll ever actually. Do I it. don't think I will. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's a possibility, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, um, it's this is another one from our previous interview, but it's always an interesting question for me. Um, are there any particular? Uh, preachers or authors or theologians that you like that you really learn from that you like spreading i just like sharing those resources because even though at, with certain people like you might get some of the same people but it's for different reasoning right and then also some people just might be like who the heck is that guy sure well i mean some of the books i've read recently that have been formative to me if i mean not necessarily new information but a better ways of saying it uh one of them is peter schizero's book called the emotionally healthy leader uh, that has a, a great great section on leading out of your singleness or leading out of your marriage hmm. and it's very very uh, very well done very well thought out and frankly um you know it, being an emotionally healthy leader is a is a an important target mm -hmm. that we're all trying to reach um, and so it, it's the kind of topic that'll never be, you know, be, you won't solve that one. So you need the resources for that. I've also enjoyed recently reading Mark Buchanan's book, The Rest of God. Yeah, that's uh, rest, a great Rest meaning one. Sabbath. Uh, yeah. Um, and um, that's great because it really helps you to understand life as a whole before mm -hmm. God. Um, and uh, so, you know, I just highly recommend that one. Um I enjoyed the leadership writings of Bobby Clinton, Robert, I think it's J. Robert Clinton, or it's either Robert J. Clinton, I'm not sure, but uh, an old book called The Making of a Leader. It was very formative for me to understand myself and why I do what I do right from age zero. Um, and so that was uh, really helpful to get a bigger picture of God's sovereign flow in life. So that one is a, is a fabulous one to read. And more recently, two protégés of uh, Robert Clinton, whose names are, and I will get this wrong, Reese and Lone, I think are their last names. But the book is called Deep Mentoring. Deep Mentoring. And it's, uh, it was very helpful in understanding the whole process of passing on the, the, the good things God has wired into you. Hmm. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm at an age and stage of life where that's, needs to be more a part of my life uh, as I try to hand off some of those lessons learned before I leave the scene so that people behind me 
can carry on with, uh, with on the strength of some of the things God has been doing in my life. So, so that those are some of the guys that have been sort of awesome uh, helped by. Um, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts because I did a lot more driving each week, and uh, I haven't done a lot of that. I have listened to R.C. Sproul a fair bit. Yeah. Um, uh, only because he just walks through texts of the Bible, and he's, he's just opening up the scriptures. And so um, I just just enjoy being stimulated and reflecting yeah. on a passage of scripture. Whether or not you agree with everything he says or how he says it, it's neither here nor there. It's stimulating to be a part of the uh, yeah. be in the scriptures. So yeah, I've been uh, uh, doing that. And uh, more recently, I spent uh, um, four months in the Gospels just reading basically one chapter a day for five days of the week and journaling what what are the behaviors of Jesus? Not what are the activities and what not, what are the lessons, not those types of things, but how did he behave? So you have to sort of read between the lines yeah, and, uh, and uh, ask the question, well, how did he behave and why would he do that and what does that mean for me? And so uh, as of late, the, uh, this sounds a little super spiritualized, but as of late, best resource is just the Gospels. You know, with a, with a good question in mind like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, um, wow, it's just opened up lots of interesting thoughts for me. So, those are some of the people and things stimulating my yeah. mind these days. A resource that's the Bible? No, we can't listen. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you mentioned Sproul, just because um, on Podbean he's been popping up a lot of my on my recommended downloads. So I've been okay. I was listening to him a lot a couple of weeks ago because yes. they were stuff around the time of the anniversary of the Reformation. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then on the kicker side, Bob Beam was like, "Oh hey, you, we noticed you're downloading Christian stuff. Here's some Joel Osteen." I'm like, "Oh come okay. on, All right, that's a stretch." Yeah, okay. <laughs> what you doing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've also been doing teaching yes. a little bit and developed a bit of a curriculum for heritage, right? Yeah, the, the president of the seminary asked uh, myself and my cousin uh, to, uh, to develop a certificate in church health. Um, so it, it's really a practitioner's okay. degree, right? Now, now, both of us have the academic qualifications to pass their certifications, right? Yeah. They've got to be keep certified mm -hmm. with the certifying, and, and it is a master's level study, so it doesn't count towards a master's. But really, the point was, you know, at, you know, I've been a practitioner all my life. I've taken whatever it is I'm learning and just trying to work it. Mm -hmm. So from a, from a, you know, real life, down-to-earth practitioner's perspective, what would be uh, some learnings in terms of church health. And so we developed a uh, an 18-month, five-intensive course to walk uh, guys and girls through uh, developing church health. What are the, you know, benchmarking it. Wow. And understanding what, uh, what church health is, what it can be, how to measure it, how to uh, understand what your areas of strength and weaknesses are. And then how you can then develop your own leadership towards meeting some of those uh, areas of need. And uh, so we developed the whole program and then uh, taught the first intensive to sort of get the ball rolling. And then the other four intensives are led by other uh, professors who have unique strength in the areas that we uh, recommended. Awesome. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. That's, 
Yeah. That's exciting. That's also a lot. That's It is a lot. But yeah. I mean it was uh, yeah. But you know what? I uh I love it. And my dream and this is a dream at this point for the HEC is that we do the same thing mm-hmm. for our guys, a boot camp maybe you might want to call it. So our men and women coming into pastoral service, uh, I would love to see that we have a, a uh, that kind of a cohort where we really train our men and women, uh, not in theology, Assume the assumption is they've come from a seminary or mm-hmm. whatever already, but what does it mean to be an AGC? What does it mean to lead? What is it, how do you reach out into what I call emerging generations, but the newer, younger leaders, how do you bring those, how do we mentor young leaders? Um, and just, yeah, uh, creating church health, how do we do that? Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, some of the same things at the certificate at the seminary level is something I would love to see us formalize within our denomination. And so I, I'm not sure whether I'll get the opportunity to do that or not, yeah. but that's a dream that I have. Awesome. Well, Hopefully and prayerfully. Yes, maybe it'll happen. <laughs> maybe it'll happen. Uh, how have you seen the Lord at work within the AGC? Well, you know what? There's a lot of things happening, and I don't even know all of them, <laughs> partly because I'm, I don't, I haven't worked there that long, nor yeah. that much. But um, what what's interesting right now is that the, the AGC is going through a complete restructuring of its leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the top down, mm-hmm. um, and uh, just so we're, we're moving to a brand new governance model, which is bringing responsibility and authority together in some of these roles. Right. Um, and uh, so because the AGC, in terms of its leadership, much of it has been volunteer-based, then it's sometimes hard to get movement because the volunteers come and go. Um, but uh, we're, we're moving much more to a, a staff-led kind of an organization where we can be given responsibility but also given the authority to get things done. So, you know what, changing that mindset is huge. It's very hard work, um, very hard work. And so where I've seen the Lord at work is the changing of minds mm-hmm. of, uh, of our leaders, uh, searching for a new way to be more productive for the kingdom. And, uh, you know, it's so easy to fall back into old ways uh, of doing things. And I think the way I've seen the Lord work in the, in like in the last couple of weeks, frankly, is the changing of minds, even of older people within the organization who are, who are anxious to see the kingdom expand, but are willing then to lay aside their own opinions about how it should be led. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's massive. The changes of heart are, is what only the Lord can do. Yeah. Right? And so, but also, I mean, just yesterday I was with two church planters, one who planted a church on Thanksgiving weekend. So how many weeks is that? Seven weeks ago? Wow. And another one just last year. So less than 52 weeks. Um, and uh, it's just interesting to see, you know, two brand new churches just recently. And it just happened to be in one of my meetings. There are other church parenting projects going on within our group. But uh, it was just fabulous to see that yeah, the Lord is actually continuing to do that within our own nation. So, yeah, there's a couple of illustrations of the Lord working. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, T, for uh, taking the time out of your, your very busy schedule to answer these questions. Um, anything else you'd want to add in before we go? No, I, listen, I'm glad to share. 
and I'm uh, yeah glad to help to coach leaders. That's yeah. what I do, and I, you know I, it's my business to uh, to help people understand themselves in a better way. Yeah, and understand their own preferences and abilities, and then to help them stretch beyond their own preferences and beyond their own abilities for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, that's a joy for me. So if some of your leaders are interested in that, I, I do that professionally, and uh, it's how I make a living. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, so if there is a need for that kind of thing out there, then yeah, I'm always glad to to chat with the guys to see if uh, if a uh, professional coaching is a good idea for them. Is there a thing I could put down at the bottom for people to hit you up at? If that's sure, true? just I like my email. So Tom at EncourageLeadership.ca. Awesome. Dear listener, if you know anybody who is interested in that, I will definitely pop that email down on this post. Great. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I'd be glad to help. No problem. And thank you again for coming in. And uh, hope you all enjoyed. Thanks for listening. And uh, God bless, my friends. Take care.